You're listening to Trickle Down Theories, where football knowledge is power. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now, here's Eric Trickle. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Trickle Down Theories podcast. I'm your host, Eric Trickle. On Trickle Down Theories, we talk about all things NFL and draft. And we have a focus on the Denver Broncos, as I am an analyst with MileHighHuddle.com. On Trickle Down Theories, we talk about all things from signings, trades, rosters, team needs, anything and everything you could think of. And with the season underway, it's going to be focused a lot on recapping games, as well as previewing some. That's that's what you have to look forward to this year on Trickle Down Theories. Before I get into the meat of this podcast, I want to let you guys know that you guys should go check out Audible. It's www.audibletrial.com slash huddle up. You guys can get a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial through that. Through Again, www.audibletrial.com slash huddle up. They have well over 180,000 titles to choose from. You could use it on your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, your MP3 player. And yet again, it's www.audibletrial.com slash huddle up. Audible's great. As I say, every single week, if you guys don't have time to sit down and actually read a book, you guys need to go check out Audible. It's a way where you can just turn on the book on your phone, put in some headphones, just listen to it, and you can either sit back and relax. You can be like me and do some writing or some film breakdown or just anything and everything. It it's, it's really comes in handy if you don't have the time to really sit down and stick your nose in an actual book and take the time to read. Now, obviously, Denver Broncos, since this is a Denver Broncos focused podcast, going to talk about them first, but we will get into the other games a little bit as well. Denver ended up winning their game 27 to 24. It was a game of big plays. Seattle had really struggled to move the ball when on the outside of big plays. They had, I think, six big plays of 20 plus yards, and those type of plays, those can really be back breaking for defense. But Denver, for the most part, they rebounded and they kept playing tough. They gave up some big touchdowns, one of which was a big one to Tyler Lockett, where Basically, he just shook off Chris Harrison coverage and Justin Simmons just came down a little bit too far and left open the back end and Lockett was able to use his speed and break away and score that touchdown. Going forward, obviously, you got to cut back on the big plays that you're giving up on defense. I mean, it wasn't just that play to Tyler Lockett. They gave up a couple big plays to tight ends that you just can't have. Two of which had Bradley Chubb in coverage. One of them was the tight end was looking like he was going to block and when he went to shed his block, I mean, he just threw Chubb off of him and Chubb was off balance. And by that point, Darian and Stewart came up too far, didn't thinking thinking that he wasn't going to be running a route, and he was just wide open and was wasn't easy to score. And the other one just had Bradley Chubb deep in coverage, man to man, and he was just able to get shaken off by the tight end, and then some missed tackling ensued. So again, you, you got to cut back on those, and you got it when you give up plays, you got to make the tackle. You have to limit the impact of those big plays. Denver struggled to do that. They gave up a couple big plays because they weren't able to tackle. One of them, I'm not going to blame Bradley Roby so much, where he got hurt. With NFL rules nowadays, watching them going for the heads, you got to go low. That's going to lead lead to players getting hurdled even more often. I won't be surprised if we see one see one at least every week throughout the NFL, if not more. Then offensively, one of the keys is that you got to be able to make big plays. And Denver did a really good job of answering big play with big play. They had six or seven big plays offensively, and that was really big of them. Obviously, I mean they're not called big plays for no reason. Emmanuel Sanders with his one big touch 
touchdown catch. Philip Lindsay with his, where he just was open because of a mistake by a rookie defensive player and just took off and was off to the races. And Deshaun Hamilton gave him a great block to be able to get into that end zone and just big play after big play. The bad thing is, is that this game shouldn't have been close. If Case Keenum doesn't throw those three interceptions, this game has a big difference in the outcome. It isn't, I mean, Denver would still win, but it's not a close game. It's not coming down to the final seconds of a potential field goal to tie the game. Seattle scored 14 points off of turnovers. You got to watch. So Case Keenum's got to watch those interceptions going forward. It's not often you can throw three interceptions and still win the game, but all in all, it was a really good performance from the Denver Broncos. They showed a lot of good promise to build upon and work forward, and they showed some issues that they got to work on. One of the best things that I think they showed is that they didn't seem to be a big issue with coaching. The biggest question I have that came down to coaching was when they decided to put in Devontae Booker, and that's just questionable because of the performance that Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman were having that why sub him in. He ended up seeing, I think it was like 19 snaps on the game, and he had four touches for 15 yards. He had minimal impact. Then you get a guy like Shaq Barrett, who played four reps, and he had, by my metrics, he had a sack, which that's a metric that everybody uses. And then my metrics for hurries, he had a pressure as well. Four snaps, and he had a big hand in two of them, like, in the outcome of the play. That's really big. You got to get those key con- contributions from those guys who aren't playing much. And then to better yet sure the example of Shaq Barrett is you have Shane Ray out there for 18 or 19 snaps and he wasn't able to register a pressure. There was times where he looked like he didn't want to be out there on the field. There were times where everybody else was getting set and he was just still just sitting there kind of pacing up. And by the time the ball was snapped, he wasn't set. Those make me question if he actually wants to be out there on the field for the Denver Broncos or if he wants to move if he, or if he wants to move on elsewhere. That's something that Denver's they got to look at internally. They got to decide where they want to go with that moving forward and figure something out because they can't keep Shane Ray around if he's going to be that kind of stuff, do that kind of stuff because that becomes toxic. Young players who are new to the team, they're going to look at that stuff and think, Hey, this guy's a veteran and he's not getting in trouble for doing this stuff. Maybe we can slack off. It's going to put a lot of strain on other veterans like Von Miller and Chris Harris and Derek Wolf, who they're going out there every play to be the best they possibly can be. And they see this guy slacking off. They got Denver's got to do something internally. They can't allow Shane Ray to continue to do this. And his performance was atrocious. I thought watching live that he had a couple pressures, but it turns out that they were just cleanup stuff. Denver was either finishing the sack or the ball was already thrown when Shane Ray's getting there. It wasn't a pretty performance. Hopefully Denver's looking to trade him. Hopefully if there's no trade value, hopefully he's able to do something and increase trade value. I really stand by the fact that Denver should have looked to move him in the preseason. They didn't. So right now they're stuck with him, but maybe somebody comes calling here soon. Now, I still want to talk about other teams in the NFL. But, you know, ever since I started this podcast, I've had people asking me for advice. And usually it's what team's going to win. But the truth is, I don't know who's going to win. Nobody knows who's going to win. But if you think you know who's going to win, you guys got to go check out mybookie.net. Remember, Who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with mybookie.net. Trust me, guys. They are your best bet this season. They've been in business for a few years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is really easy to use. All you guys got to do is lay down some cash, and you guys can win big today. I only recommend services to you listeners that have been good to me. That's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to mybookie. You guys win. They pay. They have in-game live betting, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on 
the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. If you guys join now, my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. When you do that, make sure you use the promo code THEORIES100 to activate that offer. So once again, visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot net. And don't forget to use the promo code THEORIES100 when creating your account to get this bonus. Again, you guys, you play, you win, you get paid. As for other teams around the NFL, there were some really interesting games. Obviously, the Thursday night game, that was a uh, that was kind of a snooze fest for me. It was one that I found hard to watch with a little bit of the game I managed to watch live and then I watched the replay. It was just a rough one. Not having Carson Wentz around really, it kind of hurt the Eagles a little bit and their offense looked a little bit stale at times. But Eagles managed to win that one. That's a good one. They're a team that I have doing really well this season, but I also have the Falcons doing really well. So I'm curious to see how these teams continue to do going forward. And then you have the Dolphins and the Titans. That game was delayed for how how long? They didn't, I can't I can't remember how long it was. And they came back just it was ended up being delayed just before the second half. They had to come out and play like a minute and a half or something like that. Get a seven minute halftime, and then they get to have to finish the game. But it sucks because the Titans got absolutely beat up. They lost Delaney Walker, their big tight end threat that they have. Marcus Mariota's hurt. They lost their t- um, offensive tackle, Taylor Lewan. He's in the concussion protocol. So it was a rough game for the Titans, health-wise. They didn't come out healthy. And the Dolphins, they managed to win that game. They had a, they played a solid game from what I saw of it. And they, again, it's, it's only week one, so it's hard to say just what road these teams are going down. Because last year... Denver ended five and eleven, but they started what three and zero. It's it's hard to say just how well a team's going to do based off the work off the first season. Then the Vikings they looked really strong. They were probably they probably played the cleanest game of everyone that I really watched, and I mean I watched all of that game. They really put it to the 49ers. They it was again it was just a clean game all around. New England Patriots twenty seven twenty. I didn't get to watch any of this one yet, so I'm not going to say much on this. I know that there was. There has been some controversy about the Texans coach not calling a timeout after a catch or not catch by, I think, Gronkowski, but I can't really say anything, anything on that because I haven't watched the game. Buccaneers and the Saints. Now, this is one This one that hurt, this one hurts. I watched this game, and the Buccaneers played great. Saints, they played really well as well. But my issue here is that in my preseason, in my before season predictions that came out Saturday, so after the Eagles Falcons game, I had the Saints winning the Super Bowl and the Buccaneers going two and fourteen, which was the worst record that I had. And here the Saints lose. The team I have, I called winning the Super Bowl, loses to the team that I have ending up with the first overall pick and the worst record in football. Ouch! That's a hit right in my gut right there. I still think the Saints can bounce back. I'm curious to see if the Buccaneers can keep it up. I mean, they have a lot of talent on there. I was just, I had concerns about the quarterback play. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he played really well, and he helped them win the game. I mean, he played a huge part in them winning the game. So it's really, I'm really curious to see if the Bucks are able to continue playing as well as they did. Defensively, they still have a bunch of issues that they have to work out, but if they can put up points like this, then they, they can be in every single game. Giants and Jaguars, I didn't get to see much of that game either. Uh, that's one that I'm planning on getting around to at some point. Jaguars are a team that I have making the Super Bowl. I have the, had them losing to the Saints and it. Giants I have being much improved, and they looked a lot better. So Quan Barkley played a strong game, but they still have some issues on that offensive line they have to work out. The Colts and Bengals, that's another one that – these are two teams that I see as bottom in the NFL, and 
Bengals ended up winning by 11. I didn't, I didn't watch much of this game, but Andy Dalton, from what little bit I saw, he looked like he played a clean game. I think he only, I think he went like 20 for 30 or something like that, or 21 of 29, something. It was something that was really good, and he threw a couple touchdowns as well. And I think he threw an interception. And then Andrew Luck, I don't know how many exact passes he had, but I know it was over 50, which is way too much for Andrew Luck when he's coming back from the game. They need to get a ground game going because what little bit I saw of it, their ground game was non-existent. That's not something they can have. They, you got to have more ground game for Andrew Luck. You got to help him out. You got to keep take the ball out of, out of his hands. He struggled to stay on the field because he takes such a beating. Having him out there throwing 50-plus passes a game, just it's not going to work. What can you say about the Browns and the Steelers? Ended in a tie, and, which is kind of funny. I mean, Browns, they can't lose anymore. They can't tie their record last year, so they're guaranteed to be better. But people are overrating this or underestimating this. But people are not talking about this game enough because the Browns were a team that have been a the joke of the NFL for the last couple of years, last few years. And the Steelers, they've been a perennial team competing for the AFC, and the Browns just tied them. Now, it wasn't the best game by the Steelers at all. Ben Roethlisberger threw quite a few picks. Denzel Ward, the Browns' second first-round pick, had a really good game picking off a couple of those passes of his. But the Browns, the laughingstock, managed to tie the perennial one of the perennial AFC teams in the NFL. I know that the Steelers didn't have Le'Veon Bell, but they still had a 100-plus yard performance from James Conner in his stead. They were still running the ball really well, and the Browns managed to tie it. I mean, that's that's impressive to me that the Browns managed to tie it. A laughingstock managed to tie a perennial AFC competitor. That's a good sign. Ravens absolutely thrashed the Buffalo Bills. Nothing to say here. Nathan Peterman, I mean, Nathan Peterman, he's going to play. I think he's going to play the first six weeks. He's going to take a beating because that Bills offensive line is absolute trash. They just, they they really struggle. It's not a good unit at all. The Ravens took advantage of that. And the Bills for six games, they play the Chargers with Joey Bosa, maybe Melvin Ingram. They play the Vikings with Everson Griffin. The Ravens, they have a couple of good pass rushers. They play the Texans. Like They play some really good teams with pass rushers these first six weeks. So let Nathan Peterman go out there behind this offensive lineman, offensive line, take a beating, throw Josh Allen in, and see what he does then. The game that surprised me the most and the one that I actually found really enjoyable was the Chiefs and the Chargers. The Chiefs, their defense, I still have a little bunch of questions about, but offensively, they looked so much better than I thought they would. Now, don't get me wrong. I thought, and I still think, that Patrick Mahomes is going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. I thought he was going to have a couple rough spots these first few games. I thought it was going to take four to six games to get him going. But, man, he came out and he looked sharp. He looked like he's been doing this for years at the NFL level. Wasn't all perfect by any means. No quarterback, not even Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers play perfect games. But he played a great game. The Chargers, they ended up coming back a little bit late, scoring 16 points in that fourth quarter. And Phillip Rivers and this team, they can be a threat. They got to stay healthy, which has been an issue. They've already lost a couple key guys. But if they can stay healthy, the Chargers can be a threat. The Chargers are the team I have winning the division, but the Chiefs, they look and I can't get over how strong the Chiefs look. Cardinals, they did, they did nothing to except confirm my belief that they'll be one of the worst teams in the NFL. While Washington, I think, will end up being middle of the pack. 
they just beat up on they looked really good, but they beat up on the Cardinals, who again I think will be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Cowboys looked completely lost out there. It was just so bland. Their play calling was bland. Everything about them was bland. And the Panthers took advantage of that. The Packers and Bears, now that was a game that had a huge turnaround. Aaron Rodgers, man, is he good. He's the best quarterback in the NFL, and he has been for a while. This team with him and this team without him are two completely different caliber teams. He automatically makes his team a contender every single year, and he showed that. He led this team from behind to come back and win that game. Tremendous effort by Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully he's able to keep playing because NFL season without Aaron Rodgers is a little bit boring. As for the two games tonight, Lions and the Jets and then the Rams and the Raiders, I fully expect the Rams to just completely trounce the Raiders. I've I watched all the Raiders preseason games, their time with their starters. It was not pretty. And the Lions and the Jets, I think this is going to be a good game. They're both teams that I don't think will be great teams, but they're not teams that I think will be bad. So it's going to be a real test for each other to see just how good they are against teams that, against a similar level of competition, I think. Now, before I finish this off and get to my game preview of the Broncos and the Raiders, which I will say is going to be a little bit hard since the Raiders haven't played yet. I haven't had a chance to watch their first game of the season at the time of this recording. They still haven't played. Obviously, I'm recording this Monday afternoon. But going off their preseason stuff is where I'll be coming from. But before I get to that, again, I want to holler at you guys about why you guys need to become a Mile Eye Huddle subscriber. Mile Eye Huddle's approach to covering the Broncos, it's not just about reporting the news to us. What we really pride ourselves on is the X's and O's, the film reviews, the deep dive player evaluations, and draft coverage, all that stuff. And we do pride ourselves on being able to give you guys breaking news on the Broncos as it's happening in real time. I mean, we pride ourselves on everything that we do. Now, we save our best content, these X's and O's film reviews, the deep dive player evaluations, that kind of stuff, all the in-depth stuff for our VIP subscribers, for our premium members. Now, to become my high, my high, now to become a My Lie Huddle VIP, all you guys got to do is go to MyLieHuddle.com, click on the ban- green banner. It's at the top of the website. And you guys got to select either monthly or annual option, and you guys are locked in. You guys get access to all of our written analysis. You guys get access to our VIP insider forums, which is where you can catch me and all my colleagues and everybody during game day and chat with us during the game. Give us your thoughts and your opinions on how the Broncos are doing. But you guys also get access to whatever insider information that we get. It's all in there in our VIP insider forums. As soon as we get it, as soon as, we're, as soon as we confirm that it's reliable enough to report, it goes into those VIP insider forums. Again, you guys, our VIP stuff is great. These film reviews, the player evaluations, all this stuff, it's the best there is on the internet. Plain and simple. It's the best stuff there is covering the Broncos of uh, film reviews. So go give it a click. Become a monthly or annual option. Even if you don't want to do mo- annual and you just want to check it out, do monthly. Just check it out for a month and then decide if you want to keep it. Because trust me, after that month, you'll want to keep it. You guys, just pull the trigger. You guys have my word. You really won't be disappointed. As for this upcoming Bears and as for this upcoming Broncos and Raiders game, I'm really excited to see what this defensive front can do to this Raiders offensive line. The Raiders interior offensive line is still really good. It's one of the best ones in the NFL. Hudson, Jackson, and Assembly, like that's a great trio in the middle of the line. These interior defensive linemen of the Broncos are going to have their hands cut out. But on the edge, 
Donald Penn and Colton Miller. I'll be curious to see what Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett can do against these guys because I have my doubts about their ability to perform. I don't think that they are super strong players. Donald Penn is definitely the better of the two. Colton Miller, their first round draft choice. He struggled quite a bit in preseason. So Donald Penn, he struggled a little bit too. So it's going to be curious to see what they do because if they can put the pressure on Derek Carr, Derek Carr makes a lot of mistakes. I mean, all quarterbacks make mistakes under pressure, but it's even more so with Derek Carr. They don't have that many offensive weapons, offensive threats for them. Marshawn Lynch, he's old and has lost a step. Jordy Nelson, as much as I like the guy as a player, he isn't the player that he once was. They have questionable performances out of their tight ends. Like, it's just, it's a matchup that this Broncos defense can really dominate on. And on the other side of the ball, this Broncos offense against this Raiders defense, it's an old aging group. They have a lot of concerns in their secondary. Their defensive line looks strong, but those linebackers, those secondary, that's, those guys in the secondary, very concerning performance from those guys that can easily be taken advantage of. You have to watch out for Arden Key, though, their rookie pass rusher, because he can cause havoc. He looked really good this preseason. I'll be curious to see how he's able to look this this season. Look how he looks tonight against the Rams. I think that the Broncos end up coming away with the win in this one, and I don't think it's close. As long as Denver plays a clean game, they don't turn the ball over three times. They don't give up the big plays. Obviously, those th- those things can obviously change the outcome of the game. Denver should easily be able to control this game from start to finish. And I think that they win this one 31 to 10. So that's my score prediction. Broncos beat the Raiders 31 to 10 to move on to 2-0 in the season. All right, guys, before I finish this off, I just want to remind you listeners to please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And we're on Spotify now, too. Don't forget to share us on Facebook or Twitter because we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you listeners. So all we ask is that you guys go take the time, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, write, subscribe, and let your and comment. Let your voices be heard on how well you enjoy the show. Again, this is very much appreciated if you guys go do this because you guys are the ones who enable us to do something that we all love to do. So please help us spread the word around. Now, before I finish this up and get to my closing stuff, I just want to recap real quick, saving the juicy stuff for the end of it. I went and used my metric to calculate the Broncos pressures that they were able to get on the defensive side of the ball. And these numbers are great. Bradley Chubb may not have heard his name called very often, but he was really good getting after the quarterback. He ended up matching nine hurries, and he played a big hand in three sacks, two of which were made by Von Miller, who he doesn't it doesn't need to be said how a beastly of a game he had. But Bradley Chubb kept it Russell Wilson inside the pocket, kept him being able to move around, kept him being able to escape the way he did, having to roll back. He did this with Chris Harris's sack, too. He tried to escape out to his left, and he couldn't because Bradley Chubb had pushed the pushed a really good left tackle in the NFL and Dwayne Brown into Wilson's path. So Harris was able to come in and clean it up. He did that with Von Miller. And then he had notched a half sack himself that he split with Darian Stewart. Bradley Chubb played a really good game. It just went unnoticed, and a lot of people want to – harp on him because he did have a bad coverage assignment. He did have a couple bad plays against the run, but all in all, his game was really good. 
Another monster of the game on the defensive line was Shelby Harris. He had three hits, one of which now, not everywhere would call this a hit. I do. He basically shoved through the offensive lineman right into the quarterback, right into Russell Wilson as he was throwing the ball. Most places don't call that a hit because it wasn't the defensive player who actually hit him. I consider plays like that a hit because they're the one who's driving the offensive lineman into the quarterback. They're the one causing it. So Shelby Harris had three hits and a hurry on the day as well, and he played really stout against the run. Now, my MVP of the game would have to go to Emmanuel Sanders and Philip Lindsay on offense. And defensively, I think it would have to go to Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. Sanders and Lindsay, they were they were the keys to the offense. They were so explosive. They had multiple big plays. I mean, Case Keenum, he, if he didn't throw those three interceptions, he would definitely be on this list because he made some smart throws. Colton Sutton had a couple good plays, as well, a couple big plays as well. And Demarius Thomas had some as well. Had, or, and Demarius Thomas too. But Sanders and Lindsay, they just stood out. They made play after play. They were reliable. They And they showed their stuff running and catching the ball. Defensively, as I said, Vaughn Miller, he was just a beast. And then Bradley Chubb, those nine hurries, that half sack, having a hand in three other sacks, like that's great for a rookie, period. It's even better when they're facing a left tackle who is probably at worst top eight in the NFL in Dwayne Brown. Great to see that Bradley Chubb really step up and perform. Great to see Vaughn Miller have a beast of a game. It was great to see a lot of things from this offense. Or it was great to see a lot of things from this team. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Trickle Down Theories. Thank you all for listening. Please, again, leave a like and subscribe. Follow me on Twitter, at Eric Trickle. You can always reach me on there with any kind of question, and I'm more than willing to respond. I love the interaction with you guys, the fans, listeners, and the readers of our content. Because, as I said before, without your support, we wouldn't be here where we are. So we thank you for that. And also, please follow at MileIHuddle for all of our written work from MileIHuddle.com, as well as at HuddleUpPod for all the podcasts that come out about the Denver Broncos. Also, make sure you keep an eye out on my Twitter account as I do Periscopes weekly. And I try to do them before. I'm going to try to do them every game. I'm going to try to do a Periscope every week before the Broncos game at halftime and after the game. That's my goal. Not always going to be able to do it, but that's my goal. So keep an eye out for that. Anyways, I had a great time. I'm so excited that the Broncos won this game. I'm excited for this season. I hope you all are too. Thank you guys again for listening to Trickle Down Theories, and please have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Trickle Down Theories. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.